Hi, welcome to Sama, Sisters Against Mental Abuse. I am your host, Misty, and today on the show, we have a, a huge YouTuber that I admire by the name of Alexis Exodus. Um, she is also a singer and songwriter. You can check her out on Spotify. Um, she is on all socials as well. Um, so if you like what you hear and you want to know more, please check her out. She's got Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, all of those things. Um it was really hard for me to record this episode with her because I was so excited and she's just a joy to talk to. Uh, listening to her on YouTube is one thing, but speaking with her, you can feel like her positive energy. Um, and I'm excited that she decided to share her journey with us. So without further ado, here's my interview with the Lexus Exodus, leader of the Black Woman Exodus. All right. I am super excited uh, to have Lexis Exodus with us today. Lexis, thank you so much for coming on the Sama podcast. I am, I'm trying not to fangirl right now. One of my favorite <laughs> content creators in the world, Lexis Exodus. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm so glad you reached out and that we were able to do this. Yes. So you have uh, this huge YouTube channel that is centered on Black women and betterment and all of these amazing things. But I noticed um, from time to time you've mentioned that you were in an abusive relationship. And I was hoping that you could share with us today a little bit about that. Um, like what attracted you to him, the headspace that you were in, some of the red flags. So if you could kind of, you know, share with us, maybe let's start from the, oh, start, God. From the, from the <laughs> beginning. Let's start from the beginning. <laughs> okay. Gosh, do we have all night? Because it, oh, it's a long story, but um, no. So I'm so glad that you watched the channel and you uh, talked about the abuse that I experienced. That really is what prompted me and inspired me to start my channel is I had experienced so much trauma and so much abuse and I just needed an outlet and I needed to vent and I also wanted to connect with other women who had similar experiences so they could avoid some of the um well one so they could rectify and heal from that but also so that the younger girls can avoid some of the mistakes that I made but anyway so yeah so I've I met um my ex-husband we were high school sweethearts and um how it started really I just didn't know what to expect I didn't have expectations because I didn't have any of that wisdom or guidance that is really needed for younger women. And um, one thing I've noticed is in the community, there's not really many examples of healthy relationships. And so a lot of us just end up uh, copying and following the footsteps um, as the people around us, as the women around us. And I, I didn't see any healthy relationships. My father was a notorious cheater and uh, just wasn't a, a good husband. My mom, she dated Dusty. She dated men who didn't add much value to her life. And so I didn't know, I didn't know any better. I didn't know what to expect. And I never had anyone to really sit me down and talk me through what my standards should be and what my expectations should be. So anyway, <laughs> that's a long way to, way to go about saying. So I met my son's father in high school and Golly, it was it was awful. Uh, we we met when we were sixteen, and that was the beginning of a 
really long time frame of me just being subjugated to a lot of mental abuse, physical abuse, and verbal abuse. And um, yeah, I finally woke up and, and left that situation. Um, I think my son may have been three years old uh, when I decided I had enough and just walked walked totally away from that and decided that I'd never I'd never tolerate anything like that again. So you met him in high school. Do you remember like what attracted you to this one in particular? Like what was he like? How did he draw you in? Okay. So I don't even know. I just thought he was cute. <laughs> I just thought he was cute. And you know, when you're younger, you don't really think about things um, beyond the surface level. So I was just physically attracted to him and, you know, never really had a serious boyfriend. I dated briefly, but never really had anything serious. And uh, we had some classes together and kind of hit it off and it, it went from there. Okay. And then it kind of, okay. So high school, and then how did this become marriage? Like uh, you all grew up yeah. together, I guess, like in a relationship you grew around mm-hmm. each other or mm-hmm. before you got married, were there um, incidents of like mental abuse or anything like that before you got married? Yes, there were, but I didn't know, like, I, I didn't know any better. You don't know what you don't know. So um, there were tons of red flags, especially when I look at it in hindsight. So um, when we were dating, so we were off and on, you know, we were off and on, it was a tumultuous relationship. So although we, we technically met when we were 16 and didn't get divorced until, um, till I was I think 23, maybe, no, 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 no. That's when I had my son, 25, maybe 24, 25. Uh, we weren't, our relationship was trash. So we weren't consistently together during that entire time. Um, the red flags that I saw, they were glaring. Now, you know, hindsight is, is 2020. So now thinking about it, I'm, I kick myself, but you know, it is what it is. You live and you learn. But so, yeah, so there were a few things that he did that uh, were red flags. He would raise his voice at me all the time. And I think that the beauty of masculinity is having restraint with it. And so, um, you know, one of the things that that I really value about my, my current husband is he understands the power that he has, and he understands that he's innately uh, more strong then I am, he's stronger than me and he, you know, can overpower me. He can be intimidating because he's a man. Men are intimidating to women. So he, he practices restraint, even when he's angry. My first husband, my son's father did not do that. And he was disgusting. I mean, he would curse, he would yell, he would hoop and holler. I remember one time we were at a football game and I didn't want to talk to him. And so he, in response, he threw his order of nachos and cheese on the ground and um he act I remember this when um I was thinking about this episode like when I was kind of trying to reflect because it's been so long ago but he hit my car when we were teenagers on purpose when we were in in, um an argument and just really like volatile erratic behavior that really showed that okay there's something wrong here that now in hindsight I understand that those are red flags Wow. Okay. So he was like, he would raise his voice and use, hmm, I can't think of a better description. He would use his masculinity in a negative way to intimidate Mm -hmm. you. Is that what I'm hearing? 
Yeah, because you know, men who are men don't, they don't do that. Like, and mm-hmm. I've dated, I've dated lots of, of men, even before I, I opened up my options and started to explore other groups of men. Uh, even the the other Dusties that I dated that were cheaters and that weren't good men, they still had restraint with me. You know, they understood this is a woman. I have to be delicate with her. I can't, you know, you can't yell at someone who's a fraction of your size and height and weight. Like, you don't do that. That would be like me cussing out a five-year-old or something. You're being a bully at that point. But that's exactly what he would do. He would, uh, he actually told me verbatim that, because I'm a, I'm a smart girl, and he told me verbatim that I can't challenge you verbally because because you're so smart. But what I can do is challenge you physically because I'm bigger and stronger than wow. you. Wow. So he yeah. let the ace. I'm shocked mm-hmm. that he he said that to you. Um so okay, so some of the red flags, especially like the throwing the nachos on the ground and hitting your car. Okay. <laughs> that like he hit your car with his car he or did. he just punched it. Like <laughs> which with kind of wild are we talking See, about? I I don't know if I just kind of tucked that away because, you know, they say PTSD and that type of thing can do that to you. But I literally didn't have that epiphany and remember that memory until literally like hours ago when I was thinking about what, you know, our discussion this afternoon. So, mm-hmm. yeah, he he hit my car. He was backing out and he got upset with me and purposely just hit hit my car with his car and did it my car at, at 16. And my stupid ass stayed. My my stupid self stayed. I wish. Ooh, I wish I could tell my younger self. Hey, hey like now, hey now, come on. <laughs> There's no room for regrets. I mean, I want to hear about this yeah. new guy later, but I mean, it sounds like this all happened for a reason. I hate when we say that, but like in your case, it sounds like this led you to something greater. Anyway, we'll get to that later. Um, yeah. So, okay. So you are, let's fast forward. You're married. Um, and what was, did the marriage change the dynamic or did it make the abuse, um, more intensified? Did he feel like he had free reign because you were married and you, so to speak, stuck with him? Do you feel like that was the thing? Yeah. He, he, I think he thought I was stuck with him and he actually purposely got me pregnant and I didn't, I didn't want the pregnancy. Mm. Um, and I, I wanted to end the pregnancy as well. And he begged me not to, but I think that was to piggyback on what you're saying, that was his, his sort of method to make me stuck, so to speak. And so after I, you know, we got married, and I had this baby, golly, all hell broke loose, it just got progressively worse. So yes. Okay, yeah. And you know what, that's, that's the thing that I want to cover uh, in a future episode. But there are abusive men, I mean, and women too, but we're speaking from the perspective of Black women, um, especially in our community, that will trap you, that will, I had one guest come on, and she was saying that this guy swore up and down that he could not have children, and then boom, she was pregnant, like, and they use I mean that's a I don't even know what to call it but that's a different form of abuse when you purposely trap a woman to keep her like tied to you that's uh, to me that's sickening and I think that it happens more than we know girl I truly do think that these men intentionally do that and I think that a lot of us a lot of black women we just don't look at men in that 
in that manner. And so it's hard for us to even grasp that and to come to terms with that. But I totally agree. He actually, my son's father actually just had another baby with a woman. And I think that he's, he's doing this for a few reasons, because I, I was the responsible one. I was the one who was always working and I was the one who was in college and who was always about my business, always had my own place at the young age of 18. I had been living on my own. And I think that that was his way of just securing like solidifying his, his space in my life. Because even when you break up with someone, I, I t- and this is why I'm so vocal about my experience, because it doesn't matter if you have a child with someone, you're connected forever. People like to say, oh, you have to deal with them for 18 years. That's not true because I'm going to have to uh, attend graduation ceremonies. I'm going to have to, you know, go to my child's wedding with him there. I'm also, you know, you just naturally communicate with the co-parent of your child. So no, we, until one of us is six feet under, I'm connected to this school for life. So yeah, and I think he intentionally knew that when, when he got me pregnant. Okay. So tell me more about the time that you all were married. So we did confirm that the abuse intensified. Like, are there specific incidents that kind of come to mind when we, when we talk about this? Worst one. So I remember being pregnant, being nine months pregnant and I got into a car accident and I totaled my car and I was freaking out because the steering wheel slammed into my belly. In the ER, we got into it. This man called me a bitch in the ER and had to be escorted out by security. Okay. There was also another instance where we had gotten into it and I was, I was maybe about four or five, six months pregnant. And he chased me down the street barefoot. Um, I was like hysterical because I, when I got back in the house, you know, I was bleeding and I thought I miscarried. Another time he held his fist up to all this was while I was pregnant. And I'm just kind of having that epiphany, like light bulb moment that I think the worst experiences that, that I remember happened when I was pregnant, when I was most vulnerable, which is interesting. But mm-hmm. um, I remember being pregnant and we got into it and I remember him um, holding me like my waist with his left hand and holding his fist up against my face and, and saying I want to I want to punch you so badly right now uh I remember him what else did he do I remember we had gotten into it and I was holding our baby our newborn and he, you know, tried to accost me and tried to put his hands on me. And I just said, please, if you're going to beat me up, let me put our baby down. Can I put the baby down? So there was so many things that happened. And it was like a, just a really tumultuous, really toxic situation. But those were like the worst. Uh, How did it usually (laughs) play out? I mean, is it, is he getting mad over like, smaller things and it's or are these normal arguments that kind of go because I know a lot of these situations I know for me personally I would oh my goodness I remember one morning I was in such a hurry that I need to get to work I need to get to the gym and I just quickly made myself one egg and you know ate on the way to work or wherever and I remember my uh, abuser like freaked out it was, he gave me the silent treatment. It turned into a huge argument and it was over an egg. So 
is that oh kind God. of where you were too? Like it's over something small. Like our relationship no. ended over a piece of chicken. So <laughs> I'm not even kidding. Like it, the police were called. He was pissed over a piece of chicken. Anyway, but yeah. So were these incidents where it was a small argument that spun into something else, or did he just have mood swings, or like what? What do you think happened here? Um, yes. So honestly, now that you say that, I bet you there were probably a number of times that I couldn't count where, you know, things just escalated over something very trivial. But from what I can recollect, the majority of our arguments were because he was a cheater. He was he was just a notorious cheater. And I would catch him every damn time because he wasn't smarter than me. And he would get mad at me. <laughs> Wow. And this is the crazy part that I, why I'm like, divest, di- please divest and why I preach that message because, you know, I, I hear stories about that happening all the time. Like I remember one time I had caught him cheating and I said, you know what, I'm done with this. I'm leaving. I'm, I'm, you know, going to figure out living arrangements so I can just totally be done with you and cut you off. And this fool choked me, choked me up. And I'm what? like, what's you? Yes, that's he would always he would always get caught texting girls. He would always get caught like uh, still being connected to exes and things like that. And every single time he would get mad at me, he would get mad at me. I'll be like, what the hell? You cheating? How you gonna get mad at me? And I'm a stupid bee because I caught you cheating. But wow. yeah, that's what it was. It was usually just cheating. I mean, I would have stayed if it I mean, I actually did stay even after the cheating. It was the abuse that finally made me leave. So Okay, speaking of, because I, I do hear that, um, I think data says that it takes victims, um, what, seven times to leave before they actually leave, leave. So what yeah. prompted you to leave? What was the last incident that made you say, you know what, I am done. This is it forever. What was that? Mm-hmm. Girl, <laughs> and I might have to grab some tissue because it's really emotional for me even still. But um, so yeah, so it was we we had this tumultuous dynamic. I was used to that. I was used to it, and I you know I we had a child and we were married, and so I really did want to want to keep our family together. And so even throughout the abuse, even throughout the emotional instability, not emotional, financial instability, and all the toxicity that I endured, I never left until one night he, uh, we had gotten into it and his brother had happened to be there and he was sleeping on our couch and, you know, I was exchanging words with it, with his brother and, you know, um, him being his brother, he got involved as well. And so we had gotten into it and his brother choked me. His, his brother, brother choked, choked you. His brother choked me. Yeah. What did while, he while My ex-husband was in the bathroom while this happened and he heard all the commotion because we were like immediately right outside the bathroom door. Like if you, if you, we, I mean, we lived in, we, we were broke. So we lived in like a one bedroom no, maybe it was a two. Yeah, it was a one bedroom flat. And um, he he had to have heard it because, you know, his, his brother was physically assaulting me. And I mean, when I tell you, if like you walked out our bathroom, we were immediately to the left and his brother choked me and um, he did nothing. Um, he was using the bathroom until I finally said, hey, get your brother off of me. He is choking me. He's strangling me. And then he came out of the bathroom and got him off me. But here's the kicker, girl. 
So I, my battery had went dead, my cell phone had went dead. And so, you know, I'm frantic trying to call 911. And I said, I need to call the police. I need to call the police. Let me use your phone so I can call the police. This man advised his brother to leave. So pretty much just, you know, was trying to console me at the time, told his bro brother to leave to get away. And then hours later, allowed me to call the police. And that was it. I, I was just done. I'm like, man, it's one thing if I'm going to experience verbal abuse from you, mental and physical abuse from you, but I'd be damned if I'm going to experience it from your brother as well. And I packed, I had the clothes on my back and I, I, I left, I left and I, and I talk about this too on my channel. I lived in a hotel for a month because I literally just, you know, had my belongings and the, the things that were on my back that I was wearing and left in the, the middle of the night and went to a hotel and stayed there for a month until I could get things situated and figure out my next steps. And that after that, I was done. I was so done. Wow. So is, wow. It, hmm. And I'm, this is something that I have never thought about um, myself, but it's almost like I don't know what the brother saw, but it's almost like this man, your your husband was disrespectful to you. And so it's, it's like his brother felt that he could get away with doing that too. It's almost like he transferred this, um, this uh, what is the word? It's almost like he transferred this complete and utter disrespect to his brother. I don't know. Did his brother see him mistreat you as well or? Well, so believe it or not, his brother was actually worse. So his brother, I remember hit the mother of his child telling me that he pulled out a gun on her. So, and they, and here's the thing, uh, physical abuse and domestic violence is all, is all uh, cyclical. So it's all, you know, it's a generational thing. So they witnessed their, their mother being mistreated in that manner. And so they're both abusers. Um, and his brother, I mean, when I tell you, my my ex is an angel in comparison to his brother. His brother is a mess. I mean, like he has three different children by three different women. He will, I've witnessed him call the mother of his children, everything but a child of God in front of their kids over the phone, like cuss, cuss her the hell out. And um, he he was even worse. So they were just both abusers. That's it. And when they get, they get angry, they don't know how to control their tempers. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's one thing too, that we can also look at because my abuser had a brother who did some of the same things. And like me and um, my ex's sister-in-law would talk about it. And we'd be like, we would come almost <laughs> compare notes. Like what yeah. he did, what, yep. except for me, I was, I was like, nah, this ain't right. I don't like it. Mm -hmm. I got to get out of here. And she was, you know, she wanted to stay for whatever. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, so I, I definitely understand that. So his brother was worse and they grew up in an environment that allowed mm -hmm. that or whatever the case um, that. Wow. So I also like to talk about support. So at this time, when you were going through this, did you have any friends or family who knew what was going on? Did you have people that were encouraging to leave or people that were causing you to stay? What did your support system look like? So, you know, and I think about this a lot because I'm not, I'm not quite sure what happened. So I'm a introvert anyway, believe it or not, even though I have this bubbly, like really over the top personality, personality online, I'm really um, an introvert. 
and I'm an empath in real life. And so I, I didn't have many close friends or many acquaintances. Um, even with my family life, I, I distanced myself from them just because I, we were just on different pages. My family is a hot mess and I was focused on my career, my education. Um, but I, I wonder if, because they say that abusers will isolate you. I wonder if some of that had to do with the relationship that I was in. So mm-hmm. I didn't have the answer to your question. I didn't have many really close relatives or many close friends that I can confide in. I will say though, that there were several people trying to convince me to stay in that situation. So I remember his grandmother telling me, and like I talked, I mentioned the uh, generational thing, how this is uh, typically like a generational dynamic. So his grandmother pulled me aside and said, hey, well, my my husband, my ex-husband, he used to abuse me too. And he wasn't um, as nearly nice as Sam, we'll call him. <laughs> I almost said his name, but um, yeah, she said that to me. And I just remember just thinking like, what the hell? I also remember several pastors reaching out to me. So we were going through our DV, DV stuff and the police being called multiple times and we were attending a church. And I remember one of the deacons saying, well, do you submit to him? Are you submitting to oh, him? No. Oh, no. Are you <laughs> um, serious? Even no after way. that, they're... Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I'm. I, that's one of the things as well uh, that I that I've seen and that I wanted to cover because there is a lot of, um, I don't even know it's called religious abuse. Like, do you submit to him uh, that, sorry, you can continue. I just, mm, 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 mm. that's that's why I I had to divest from the church too, because, and then even after his brother assaulted me and I was done, like totally done, stick a fork in me, I'm done. uh, He had uh, the pastor of the church I was attending. So he wasn't even going to this church, but he somehow figured out that, you know, what church I was going to and got this pastor's information, had this pastor call me and he left the voicemail talking about, please, 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 please just, just call me, please. This, you know, Sam is, hmm. he is uh, distraught and, you know, he is very upset and he really wants to reconcile. Please just give me a call back, like begging me, literally begging me. And this is a big church in, in where I'm from. And I'm thinking like, how does he have the time to, to even do this? But yeah, he, he somehow convinced that pastor to reach out to me too after he and his brother had been assaulting me. So it was just a whole hot ass mess. Oh, wow. Um, okay. So you finally left and you were done. Um, so let's think about the path out of this. Cause I would really like to know emotionally how you coped. Um, and then I also want to know about your, your journey to healing and this, this healthy mm-hmm. marriage that you have now. So how did you yeah. cope emotionally once you, you were like done? I didn't cope very well at first. I just didn't. So I um, eventually went to a therapist, but initially um, it turns out I was experiencing PTSD. I had depression and anxiety. And a lot of it was because I internalized that abuse. And that's what women do, especially black women. We like to carry the weight of the world on our shoulders. And so I wasn't coping well. I was very self-destructive and I was just not um, practicing self-care like I should have. And so for years I was just numb and um, I didn't, I didn't react well. 
And I isolated myself and it was really bad for a few years. I'm not going to lie. But the turning point for me really was uh, I got into therapy and I started just unpacking some of that trauma. And I also started being vocal about my experiences. So I started my channel and I started sharing and I I even like volunteered at um, a woman's shelter for abuse victims and things like that. And I started connecting with other women who had similar experiences and who were survivors. And I mean, it just helped with, with the healing, the therapy. And I, I always preach like a holistic approach when it comes to black women empowerment. So for me personally, in my everyday life, I'm meditating. I work out. So I take care of myself physically because I believe when, you know, you're at your peak physical fitness, then you just feel better mentally. And, you know, I, I, try to be very intentional about my diet and um, therapy and then just share my story just just helped me heal. It took some time though. It was a process because for the first few years, it it was really, really difficult. Um, I think you, did you ask about my current husband? I did because I'm sorry, as a fan (laughs) and also as a a representative of Sama, I just want to know because I've heard you (laughs) speak about him so highly. You talked about how he is a complete turnaround from your ex and how he pours into you. And so I want to know about the path to meeting him. And then for the last question, I do want to know if you would close out with your advice for Black women in a mentally abusive relationship. But yes, please tell us about Mr. Wright because I really want to (laughs) know. How did you meet him? I didn't try. I mean, I didn't try. So I had, once you have gone through what I went through, I had gotten to a point where I was just done. And I told myself like, look, I'm going to be a cat lady forever. You know, I don't, I'd rather be lonely than deal with trauma and to deal with being mistreated. So I was done. I was done, 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 done. But I was, I was fine with having male presence. So I was dating still and just casually, very casually and very platonically just meeting men after, you know, I had gotten over that situation. And then I met my husband and he, when I tell you, girl, he was just like, it was like night and day. And so I I actually met him online and I recommend that black women date online. I, I really do feel like that's that method is the most effective way to be just very strategic and very selective about what you're looking for, because you can, I mean, you can connect with someone in Europe if you wanted to right now in a matter of seconds. But so I met him online and he was just an amazing individual. He, and I had, I had made it clear with him, like, you know what, I'm done. I, I I have no interest in being married. (laughs) I have no interest in this relationship thing, but he just consistently showed up and showed out and he illustrated integrity. He was hardworking. So he, he started his business from the ground up on his own single-handedly in his early twenties. And um, now it's a very lucrative business for him, but he, he was very devoted to me. He was very attentive to me and just very loving. I mean, I would be exhausted because as a single mother, you are, you're just exhausted by the end of the day. And he would look for ways to make my life easier. So, you know, Hey, I, I'm, I'm dropping off dinner. So you don't got cook or, Ooh. you know, Hey, can I, 
he he was just always like that while we were dating and um he would always send flowers and stuff and people would be like he you know y'all must have gotten into a big argument and I'd be like no these are just because flowers and um he he he's been amazing I mean we got engaged and he he parents my child better than his own damn dad. My my son's father is a deadbeat and he has he doesn't have any kids. My husband doesn't. And he's taken that responsibility to raise him and to love him. And, you know, he uh, moved us into our new home, moved us out the hood into our new home in a gated community. And he's paid off my student loans. And he's just really done the things that men are supposed to do, mm-hmm. you know, is, is, is what I mean. So he's, he's poured into me and he's loved on me and he's really been patient with me um, throughout, you know, all of this. And even with like the co-parenting stuff, because I still have to co-parent with my son's father now. And he's, he's still very doting and very patient and, and shows up and shows out. So, <laughs> wow. So that, I mean, uh, and I know that on your channel, especially more recently, I've seen, um, you have posted a lot encouraging yep. black single mothers, like, Hey, you don't have to listen to, you know, the, the negative dating coaches. Cause I don't want to say no names, but you, <laughs> you've spoken out and you say, Hey, you know, look at this image, you know, there is hope for black women to move forward, especially single black mothers, like they can't be counted out. Um, and you've done a really nope. good job of letting them know, hey, you're not damaged goods just because you have a child, like you can still yeah. find a healthy relationship. And you can still find a man that loves you and is willing to treat you correctly. So I've, I've noticed that. And so shout out to you. Yeah. Um, so yeah. <laughs> lastly, um, oh my goodness, your amazing journey. You have like, like I keep saying, you have an amazing husband. It sounds like what advice mm-hmm. do you have for other black women that are in a mentally abusive relationship right now? Leave, leave. And I know that's easier said than done. I know that that's easier said than done. But I think it's so important to emphasize that you have to leave and then leave. Don't wait around until, you know, it actually escalates to a a verbally abusive or financially abusive or physically abusive situation, because at that point, it's too late. It's too late because you're already so connected with them. It's like you said, it'll take on average six times for you to finally leave that situation. So I say, I say, just leave mental abuse is a red flag for other forms of abuse. And also it just isn't healthy and it'll destroy you. And I, it's so funny because people will reach out to me and will say, oh my gosh, like, you know, how do I become successful like you? How do I become confident like you? How do I do the things that you do? How can I grow? And um, it's so interesting because I don't think people understand like that, that experience took a toll on me. And I still experience, I talked about PTSD and um, like self-doubt and imposter syndrome, even though people will tell me, oh, you're so smart and da, 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 da. I still experience um, some of the remnants of that, of the repercussions of that relationship till this day, because I don't care how strong you are. If you constantly are verbally abused and mentally and emotionally abused and are degraded and berated on a daily basis, you're going to start to internalize some of that. 
And so I, I wish that um, if it was one thing I could tell the listeners, it would be just to leave, be be very ruthless when it comes to dating, be very ruthless. Why, why wait to see if, you know, if it turns out well or not, if they do anything that makes you uncomfortable, if they say anything or interact um, with you in any manner that makes you feel uncomfortable, then leave. leave there's, and I, I said this on my show, there's 4 billion men out here. So why waste your time trying to remedy something or trying to rectify something with someone who isn't treating you well? So that that's my advice. Yes. And then I know <laughs> definitely expanding our options. Yes. Yeah. Is, is another one you would agree with, right? <laughs> Yeah, well, and and that's the other thing too. Like people critique me because they're like, "Oh, well, you you are you worship other men and da da da." And I'm like, "No, if anything, we worship in ourselves. We worship in black women in the image of black women." But um, what really what I promote is self healing, self healing, because I really do believe that when you start to do that inner work and when you start to attend therapy and when you start to unpack you know, some of that, that trauma. And when you really start to heal those wounds, you naturally attract the right people. And I think that's what happened with me. So even before that, that step, heal yourself, focus on yourself. Solitude is amazing. Listen, I'm happily married now, but I ain't gonna lie and say, I don't enjoy my free time. My husband is watching football at the bar. Guess what? I'm enjoying myself and I'm, you know, watching movies and doing, having this discussion with you. I enjoy my solitude. And so um, I think inner work too, but yes, definitely once you're ready for dating, explore your options for sure. Okay. I, oh my goodness. I'm so happy uh, that you have <laughs> offered to come on the show. I'm excited to have you here. Um, thank you so much for um, sharing your story um, and for anyone uh, that wants to hear more from Lexis, she does have her own uh, YouTube channel. The way that she, how do you usually say it? It is L-E-X-U-S. How do you, can you like do that for me, please? Because it sounds oh, yeah, like you, you do yes. it, you please. So, so please check me out, guys. So yeah, I have a, a channel that I absolutely love pouring into, and that is a passion project for me. My focus is empowering and uplifting Black women by teaching them how to just make better choices that serve their best interests. So you can find me everywhere at Lexus Exodus, <laughs> everywhere at Lexus Exodus. So, so check me out. I stream typically on YouTube Thursdays and Fridays at 630 ET. So for sure, please check me out. All right. Thank you. <laughs>